Oh my goodness, it is Christmas at Christ's Journey. And I'm so happy to welcome you. And especially as we gather with those who have, get, have joined us at Kindle Campus across the nation and around the world through Church Online, you are our guest tonight. And we greet you in the name of the God who so loves the world. Lots of love in the house tonight. And we have uh, lots of our kids here. You know, Christmas, there's no time like Christmas. And part of the reason it's so special is because of our children. So I'm welcoming all of our boys and girls and I want you to know that I made special preparations for you. I've got some Christmas jokes for you, okay? I can tell you can hardly wait to hear them. Um, okay, so what do Santa's elves learn at school? The alphabet. Get it? Alphabet? Yeah, I know some of you dads are gonna be telling that one again. Um, Okay, what do you call Santa when he's on the beach? Here's a Miami one. Sandy Claus. Yeah, I know. Okay, why does Santa, you know this one, why does Santa have three gardens? You know this one. No. You know, so he can ho, ho, ho. Right? Okay, knock, knock. Pizza. Pizza on earth and goodwill toward a men. Yeah, I can't believe you're laughing, but thank you, it's encouraging. Um, why was the snowman rummaging through a bag of carrots? He was picking his nose. Yeah, you're going, ooh. Okay, what do you say when Santa is taking attendance at school? Present, yes, present, present. Now, speaking of presents, I want to tell you about one of the greatest gifts I ever received in my life. It's from my dad. Happened some years ago, about two weeks after Christmas at the time, as I'm remembering. And um, at that time, I'm telling you, I had been a young man in rebellion. And I was uh, smarter than my parents, doing what I wanted, when I wanted, because I wanted to. I didn't care who got hurt. Uh, I had been away from home. I was living in Arizona. They were in Missouri, 1,100 miles away, and it had been 18 months, a year and a half, since I had seen my family. And during that time period, um, I met Jesus Christ personally. And that grew into a relationship with God, a living relationship with God, it changed my life. And um, I had a long way to grow at the time, but something was different. I knew that something had happened in my heart, and uh, it took me back home. I wanted to go back home. So I went home and first time in 18 months and I, I, uh, I wanted to go home and apologize for my behavior, for my attitude, and I wanted to share the love that was coming alive in me. I knew something was happening. It made me want to get things right. And uh, I hadn't seen my little brother or sister, obviously in that time, or my mother, but the gift I want to tell you about came from my dad. And it was the morning that I was all packed up and I was ready, waiting for my ride for the thousand plus mile trip back from Kansas City, Missouri to Arizona. And my dad was up, it was before dawn, still dark out, it was cold in Missouri. He had a coat on, I remember a, uh, a warm coat and a, and a cap on, and he was getting ready to go out the door to work. My dad was always a man of few words and a very gruff exterior. And I can't say that he and I had much of a relationship when I was a teenager. 
My mom told me that he was proud of me, that he loved me, but I never heard those words come out of his mouth. Uh, but I did know this, that though we were never what would be considered people of means, that he always worked hard to take care of his family's needs. And, um, and that morning, he, he held me tight as I was getting ready to leave, and he said, I'm going to quit smoking, and I'm going to send you the money so you can move back home. Now, for as long as I could remember, my dad had smoked all of his life, all of my life. He started in the Navy, never stopped. And now he's saying to me, I'm going to stop smoking, send you the money so that you can come home. This is a big deal. And uh, though his words didn't say it, what I heard he was trying to say was, I care about you more than I care about smoking. I care about you more than the agony quitting is going to cost me. And I want you home with me. Uh, you know, I, if I can't make enough money, then I'm going to save enough money by not buying cigarettes so I can send it to you and you can come home to be with me. And though he wasn't saying it with words, what I think he was trying to say, what I was hearing was, I love you, son, and I want you home with me, and I'm willing to pay the price to make it happen. Now, it wasn't like a mushy, <laughs> didn't, things didn't get mushy. There was not this crescendo soundtrack, you know, rising in the background. Um, nobody heard us but us. And then he went off to work. Now, I've had a few Christmases since then, and I can tell you that that moment with my dad, when his heart was uh, open and raw with me, one of the greatest gifts of my life. And the reason that I'm telling you that, if you're, if you're a Christ Journey member, if you're a part of our church and you consider me to be your pastor, I want you to know that part of my personal story because it's about Christmas for me. It, uh, my soul tags up with that around Christmas time. If you're a guest with us today, then I want to thank you for honoring us by accepting the invitation. Some friend or family member, you obviously matter to somebody to the point that they would invite you and you showed courage to come. And, and yet I want you to know that story because it has in it something of what is at the heart of what the Bible says is Christmas. And then to all the boys and girls, you know, we're celebrating with the lights and the gifts. What I want you to remember is that the Christmas that we celebrate began with the birth of Jesus because of a father's love who was doing what it took so that we could come home to be with him. So Christmas at its heart is about God the Father so loving you that he opens his raw and tender soul in sacrificial love and says, I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do what it takes to get you home with me. And in that, he gives himself. He gives himself. God the Father gives himself to us as God the Son, born as a baby in a manger. And uh, the Jewish rabbi Pharisee, his name was Saul. We now know him as Paul because he trusted Jesus as his own Messiah. And uh, his life changed, and he was writing about this occasion when he wrote these words, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift, 2 Corinthians 9.15. The real gift of Christmas is the gift of Emmanuel, 
predicted by prophet Isaiah hundreds of years in advance, Messiah would come. And now Matthew, one of the disciples, was writing it down in his gospel, one, chapter 123. And this gift that God has given us is a gift beyond words. It's unspeakable. The mystery of this kind of love leaves us speechless, you know, stunned. Like we, we don't know what to say. But we find ourselves invited to believe that no one is so far away that God's love can't bring you home. That's the heart of Christmas right here. Now, the Bible calls this the mystery of godliness. And uh, this is, I tell you, it's a mystery to me. How God could love us, you, me, so much, this much is a mystery. But he does it all because he wants you to come home to him. Another word for this is grace. God's love in action. God's love can't hold still and do nothing. God's love must act. And so he acts to do for you what you could never do for yourself. And in Christ, God has come as savior. And so the angel taps Joseph out. He says, the woman that you are betrothed to, take her as your wife because the son she will give you, you're to name him Jesus. Your part is to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's Matthew 121. Jesus is the Greek for the name Joshua. You may know that. Joshua or Yeshua, which means Yahweh God is salvation. So salvation, what we learn in Jesus' name is that salvation isn't a gift that God gives separate from his self as if he could take it down off the shelf and then hand it to you. He doesn't give it separate from himself. Actually, we the gift of salvation comes as we receive and trust him personally coming to us as the God who comes to save and the disciples that traveled with him in his ministry on earth, one of them was writing about him, about this unspeakable gift. He says, and this gift, Jesus, was full of grace, that's God's love in action, and truth, that's wisdom that can set you free, that will change your life. And then he wrote this, and so to as many as receive him, John 1, 12, that's what you do with a gift. When a gift is given, you have a choice. You receive it. You know how to receive a gift, don't you? You go, Oh, for me? <gasps> and you receive it. That's what he's saying. You receive the gift to all who believe in his name. That means trust in the character of the one giving. To him gave he the right to become children of God. Come into my family. Come home and be with me. And even to the point he says to be born to new spiritual life by God. See, that's what had happened to me in that time. God's life had come alive in me. I had received the gift and now his love was healing places and, and helping me find home with him and others. Now maybe you know the silly Christmas song. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. You know this song? No. I'm getting nothing for Christmas. Here's how it goes. Mommy and daddy, you're mad. I'm getting nothing for Christmas because I ain't been nothing but bad. Now, even if you don't know the song, what I'm willing to, uh, what I'm imagining is every one of us know about the meaning of the song, about being bad, about making mommy and daddy mad. You know, we all know something about that. We all have done it, haven't we? We all know the feeling that comes when you do something that you shouldn't have done. Now, the grown-up words 
our guilt and justice. That's the grown-up words for what that song is about is guilt and justice. What you get depends on what you do, how you behave. That's justice, right? Do good and you get stuff. Do bad and it's another story. So the song says, and a lot of things in this life lead us to believe that that's how life is. And there's something in our soul that just... uh, that resonates with that. Here's what we tend to think. We tend to think that good things should happen to people who do good things. And we we tend to think it's a shame when bad things happen to, oh, they're such good people, right? And part of that is because it doesn't seem fair. It's not right. It's not just. It's justice is what we're looking about. And then, but we also tend to believe that people who do who behave badly, well, they should be treated badly. Like, for instance, if somebody cuts you off in traffic, what do you want to do? Hey, I'm going to give them a taste of their own medicine. I'm going to catch up, drive, cut them off, see if they like how that feels. You know, that's justice, we call that. (laughs) We want to be fair about it. Why do we believe that? Because they're guilty. And guilt deserves justice. Now, speaking of justice, if God treats me as my guilt deserves, I'm going to get a whole lot worse than nothing. You know what I'm saying? A whole lot worse than nothing. Now, Paul was a Pharisee rabbi, extremely committed to the law of God. He tried to do what's right and good every day of his life, and he had learned to view God's holiness as perfect purity that God was absolutely good in the purest sense of that word possible. And God had made that very clear since the time of Moses, that this is God's character. Well, Paul says, if guilty human beings were to get what our sins deserve from a perfectly pure and absolutely good God, we're in trouble. The nature of God's holiness is like fire. And the nature of sin makes us human beings vulnerable like paper. And when paper meets fire, it's never good for the paper, right? And so the way Paul writes about that, he says this, the wages of sin is death. Death is separation from God, being far away from God. So when payday comes for me, going my own way, living my rebellious life against God, hurting people with the things that I say or the things that I do, stealing, cheating, lying, sexual infidelity, sexual promiscuity, these things, when if we get what true justice prescribes and what true justice demands, I'm telling you, it's a lot worse than getting nothing. And God knows this. Because God is true. And God also knows that we can't buy ourselves, get ourselves out of the mess we're in. So you know what he does? Christmas. He chooses to enter into the mess as Messiah. That almighty God clothes himself in humanity and enters into our paper situation to take the judgment, to go through the fire on our behalf. And so Paul finishes that thought this way. He says, the wages of sin is death. Yeah, there is guilt and there is justice and it is coming and it's not going to be pretty. But the gift of God, look at this gift of God. 
had is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a gift. That means you don't earn it. You can't deserve it. You don't have to wait to receive it until you do nothing but good because we're going to be waiting a long time. But he offers it as a gift because of what he has done for us in Christ. He did what my dad told me he wanted to do. He was going to pay the price so that I could come home and it wasn't going to cost me anything except saying, I'm home. If you will. Kathy Ladman is a comedian. She says, all religions are the same. Religion is basically guilt with different holidays. <laughs> kind of makes sense, doesn't it? What I'm taking from that is the fact that human guilt is a universal issue. In every culture of all ages, guilt has been a, a problem for human beings. And yet when it comes to Jesus and his response to human guilt, here's what the Bible says. Christianity's way is not about you working it out and getting, becoming a better person and earning God's favor. It's about receiving the gift. Jesus came to save us from our sins, not to say, now you can do better if you try. No, he came to do the saving. That's part of the unspeakable gift. That means relieving our guilt now, how does God do that? How does God want to respond, us to respond to our guilt? His answer would be this, receive my gift. Receive the gift. You know how to receive a gift, receive the gift. No, but how do I do that? Well, there's a line written in 1 John by one of the, the big fishermen that traveled with Jesus and became one of his disciples. And later, his life was so changed that he became known as the apostle of love. His name was John, and this is what he wrote. And it's about resolving human guilt. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful, God is just, but he will forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now, the word confess is an interesting word. It comes from two words that mean, say the same thing. It means agree. In other words, confessing my sins isn't what I do out loud in front of a priest. The Bible says that confession of my sin is agreeing with God about my sin. Well, what does God say about my sin? God says, Bill, your sin is deceiving you, it's destroying you, and it's going to be, I am displacing it from you in Jesus Christ. Do you agree? That's what he's saying. Do you, do you agree with that? And that's just amen. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> This is what God's question is. Do you, what, believe that sin is deceiving us? Now, what does that mean? That means that we're not always aware of its work on us or of its desensitizing power over us. How do you mean? Well, I mean, instead of admitting it when we're wrong, we tend to rationalize. You know, we like to deflect it or blame somebody else for it. It's their problem, not mine. Or we minimize it. We say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Or we normalize it. We say, hey, everybody's doing it. So, and don't even realize that we're, we're all the while diminishing its impact in our understanding. We're shrinking our perception about it. Why? Well, maybe it's because it's deceiving us. It's clouding us. It's kind of like a person whose eyesight is going bad, but they don't realize it or admit it until they put on some glasses and go, oh, wait a minute. You mean letters aren't fuzzy? because they don't know that their sight has been going until they, oh wait, 
Do you agree? Well, see, that's what God is saying. Do you agree that, that sin might be clouding your vision, your understanding, and affecting the way you perceive yourself and life and others? And then the second thing is, it's destroying us. This is God's perspective, that going apart from God is not good for us. It hurts us, actually. It's like cancer of the soul. It's like termites, termites eating away at your psyche. And you don't always see them doing their work, but you can see those little piles of sawdust by your door, and it makes you say, hey, I got to do something about that. But you're not aware of it because it doesn't show up all that quickly. But that's, sin is like a terminal disease. Now, thank God we have treatments for cancers of the body. But when it comes to the sin cancer in our soul, if it goes untreated, you know what it does? It wreaks havoc and it brings death. That's what Paul says. It brings spiritual death, separation from God. It brings physical death. It brings eternal death. It kills. So what God wants us to, do you agree? That's what God is saying. Do you, would you agree that, that it affects the perceptions that you have? It affects the behaviors and and way you treat others and yourself. And, uh, and then the third thing I want you to agree with me on is thank God there's a treatment for sin's cancer, the soul. It is displacing it from us in Christ. And this is part of the unspeakable gift that God has superseded our sin through the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So John the Baptist says, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of Bill's world of your world, of our whole world. That's God's plan. <laughs> sin must be treated before it does its damage ultimately to us. And God's plan is, then let me take the tumor into myself on the cross. Would you agree with that? That's what God is saying. And if we agree with God about our sin, that it's deceiving me. I don't always see how it's clouding my vision, but it affects the way I look at people and myself. I don't always understand how it's destroying me, but I know that something in me is hurting and it's hurting other people and I'm not fixing it. And I need help from outside that can transfer it from me. And when we do that and we release our pride and narcissism and ego and selfish living, our sin upon Christ, God's substitute for us, then what does he do? Well, he forgives and he cleanses. He will forgive my sin and he will cleanse my unrighteousness. Forgiveness simply means that God is not going to make me pay. It's kind of like my dad saying, you know, I'm going to take the hit. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to send you the money. It's not going to cost you a thing. I'm, you're not going to have to pay, even though you've been rebellious in a way. And then he says, you're going to be cleansed on the inside from unrighteousness. You're going to wash the filth out of the filters of my soul. Unrighteousness, another interesting word. It can be translated hurts. You have any hurts in your soul? Any places in your spirit that have been crushed? Any injuries that have been done to you or that have happened through you that you can't quite get to so you try to bury them or pretend like they're not there and you don't know what to do about it but the hurt just rises up from time to time? That's what he's talking about. In Christ, the almighty God has entered into humanity so that he can... Meet us at our broken places, at our soiled places, and at our hurting places, the places where you've failed, the places where you've fallen, the places where you feel guilty. Because you are guilty. But here's what God says about that. 
He says, I don't want you walking around feeling guilty. I don't want you living life feeling guilty. I don't want you trapped in some past mistake that you did or that somebody else did that has affected you. I don't want guilt destroying your confidence. I don't want guilt damaging your relationships. I don't want guilt hurting your health. So I'm going to take it on me. And that's why Jesus came to go to the cross to pay the price to forgive our sins so that you can come home if you will receive the gift. And that's why the rabbi Paul would then write, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. That means God's not out to get you. God's not trying to make you pay for the wrongs you've done or judge you for the mistakes you've made. Jesus took your judgment at the cross. And this is the unspeakable gift of God. Now, imagine with me just for a moment. It's Christmas Eve. And God sends three angels to visit you through the night. You know the story of Ebenezer Scrooge and how three ghosts came, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future, and kind of took him on a tour of his life, you know, what was, is, and is yet to come. What if God, this very night, Christmas Eve, was to send three angels to your life to escort you, just to pull you up and give you a world, a view of your own life, of your past, of your present, of your future, and there you are traveling with an angel, looking at you, doing what you do, what would you see? Would you see celebration and happiness and joy? Sure you would. Maybe right now you would see that, just part of where you are right now. Would you see sadness and heartache and hurt? Yes, it comes to all of us. Times of sorrow. Would you see and suddenly be aware that, hey, nobody's perfect, especially not me, because you're watching yourself say things and do things and maybe saying, well, you know, I shouldn't have said it that way and maybe I shouldn't have done it that way and, and maybe you're starting to have some regrets about the way you've behaved and would you see yourself because hey, you're just watching yourself through the eyes of the angel, would you see yourself receiving forgiveness when needed? Would you see yourself offering forgiveness when it's not deserved. Hi, I'm David Moore. And I'm Lisa Moore, and we have been a member of Christ's Journey for three years. Last March, a car wreck nearly took the life of a little girl from Tallahassee, seven-year-old Ashley Moore. A young gentleman was lost in the neighborhood and he turned in front of our car at the stop sign and ran uh, head first into us. It actually forced the airbag to come out. And uh, my daughter, uh, Ashley, at the time was seven and she was in the front seat. The next thing I know, they, they had the helicopter come and pick her up. Yeah, I just had no idea what, what was going on with her. Her saying, hi, mommy, and hi, daddy, and uh, I love you. That was probably, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I came to the terms that she was going to be in the chair after 18 months. You know, our motto has always been, you know, one day, one miracle at a time. Next thing you look up and it's 20 years versus of, of one day at a time. And because obviously our journey is, is still continuing, you know, we continue to, you know, fight the fight. We live with an incredible realization of how much grace and love and healing that he's done in our lives. We always pray, uh, always have prayed for both of our girls to find a, um, 
a wonderful man that that just adores them, just loves them no matter what, unconditionally. And um, and Ashley found that person. You may kiss the bride. From the minute of the accident to getting married, you know, God is just orchestrating events. And one of the reasons why we are here is, you know, to, to give back and to be, you know, generous with the things that we've been through. So the, the driver was um, young, college age, and actually was uh, skipping a day of work to find his girlfriend so they could take the day off and, and smoke pot. He was a damaged young man. Mm -hmm. And um, he did not, he did not purposely turn in front of us to harm my child. It definitely, um, you know, it weighed on mine and Lisa's heart. We just kind of felt it was important for him to know, um, you know, who we were and, and that um, this mom and this dad forgave him. We bought a Bible and, uh, and actually uh, uh, wrote on the uh, inside, <clears throat> In, anyway, uh, wrote on the inside of that Bible that we forgive you. This Christmas, our prayer for you would be that you could experience the love of God uh, as Lisa and I have through His Son Christ and um, give Him a chance. I just pray that uh, the Lord will bless you guys through any trials that you may go through, any situation. I, I pray that you'll be blessed as well. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Unspeakable. Unspeakable. And yet we all have stories, don't we, where, where we need to receive forgiveness. I do. We all have stories about where we need to extend forgiveness. I do. The Moors do. You do too. Now your story may not be like theirs, but our stories have a lot in common, don't they? When it comes to forgiveness. I can't imagine what that young man felt like when he opened that Bible and saw what they'd written there. I don't know how long it's been since you've opened your Bible, but I can tell you what's written there. We just read it. God wrote it. You are forgiven. Matthew's gospel says that the baby born is going to be known by two names. He says, Emmanuel, which is the high God is with us, and Jesus, or Yeshua, which is Yahweh God, the covenant God, is saving. And you mash them together and you have this baby that we celebrate that says the most high God has come to save. He's been born into the mess so that he could be your Messiah. What does that mean? It means when you're feeling empty, God is there. When you're feeling lonely and troubled, God is there. When you're feeling hungry or guilty, God is in it. 
Messiah is available so that he can freely forgive and bring healing to the inner places so that you don't have to wait till you're good enough. You just have to be willing to receive it. No one is so far away that God's love can't bring you home. I don't know how far away you've been or how long you've been there, but I know God wants you home and that Jesus is God's unspeakable gift full of goodness, grace, and truth. So if I had some advice for you this year as pastor to Christ Journey believers, it would be this. Even though you have opened the gift of salvation before and you said, oh, I did that, can I invite you to, to take a look deeper into the gift and realize that it's there for you? That when you're empty, the solution that you're looking for is going to be in the fulfillment of God's power being released through you, that his, his help is made available to you through this gift. Open your gift. When you're hungry for purpose and meaning and a new reason to get up in the morning, that God gives you a future and a hope, but you're going to find it in Messiah, in the gift that he has given us at Christmas. When you feel lonely, God says, I am with you. I'm going to give you my presence and I want you in my family and I want to bring you home to be with me. And when you are troubled, isn't there so much trouble in the world to keep our minds troubled without end? And yet he says, I am your Prince of Peace and I will speak peace into your trouble if you will let me open your gift and receive it. Oh, for me? Yes, receive it by faith. And when guilt wants to shut you down and makes you want to run away or pretend like it didn't happen somehow, God is offering pardon, forgiveness that can bring healing to your deep soul. Whatever mess you're in, Messiah is here for you. So, believer, Christ journeyer. You know why I told you the story about my dad? Not just because I want you to know it. I want you to do it. I want you to show some love in action. I would love for you to look around you to the people you care about and say, I wonder where I could take the hit and I could pay the price so that they could come home. So chances are there's somebody there who could really benefit from the flow of life-giving forgiveness if it were to come from you. Maybe it's your wife. Your wife needs the forgiveness of God. Your husband, maybe it's your husband. You need to forgive your husband so that he can feel the forgiving grace of God. Maybe it's your son. Your sons need forgiveness. Your daughters need forgiving. Kids, your mom she needs forgiveness. Your dad, he needs forgiveness too. In fact, you will never look another human being in the eyes that wouldn't benefit in the deepest place of their soul if healing were welcomed because of the forgiving love of the God who sent his son to do the healing of forgiveness. But he wants to do it through you. So I would say open the gift and then share it with somebody else just like my dad wanted to, like the Moors did and like we're doing this year. And if you're a seeker and you kind of are kicking the tires and you're saying, well, man, what would I do? How would I pray? I'll tell you the prayer that started the journey for me was, God, if you're real, show me. So maybe that's where it starts for you. But within 24 hours, here's the prayer I was praying after praying that one. Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life 
and help me become the person you want me to be. And you can pray that one with me right now. In fact, let's bow together. And if those words give voice to your soul, would you say them to God? Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life and help me become the person you would have me be. I receive you by faith. Now our head's still bowed for a moment, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would allow me to ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand and hold it up for a moment so that I can look around the room and, and join you? God bless you in the center toward the back. Thank you, ma'am. Toward my right, toward the back, God bless you. Amen. Sometimes it takes me a while because the room's dark and I got light in my eyes. Lord, I pray for every person who by uplifted hand has said, my heart is open and I'm receiving the gift. And may they sense your presence in such a fresh way. The joy that comes from being forgiven, the peace of mind and heart that comes from trusting God and letting his love flow into them. Would you make yourself known to them as you began with me so many years ago and help them find the journey that you have for them with us as we make our prayer in your name. Amen.